0: This is The Guardian.
1: I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. Less than a month after World Pride, Australia has seen a week of violence directed at the LGBT plus community, with neo-Nazis standing on the steps of Victoria's parliament, holding a large banner that called for violence against transgender people. Days later, a group of 100 men associated with the Christian Lives Matter movement attacked a small group of peaceful protesters demonstrating outside a church in Sydney where One Nation MP Mark Latham was speaking.
0: Punched us in
2: the face, grabbed women's hair and smashed them to the ground through glass bottles. You know, we were were in fear of uh, our lives.
1: Advocacy groups say that violent threats and protests against queer events are increasing, with some being shut down due to security concerns. And In the wake of all this, a coalition of LGBT plus organisations say there needs to be better protections for the queer community in Australian law. Today, the backlash against Australia's queer community. It's Thursday, the 30th of March. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at
2: mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Okay, so tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Anything you want to say?
2: Yeah, awesome. Hello, I'm Kitty Obsidian. Uh, I am a very proud Rodri and Gamilaroi non-binary person. Um, I use pronouns they, them. I am a full-time performance artist. Kitty's performances range from
1: drag, burlesque, cabaret to comedy, and their audience can include families and
2: kids. I also do character work and roving performance work with fire or with characters with props for all ages events and families they're
1: also the 2022 Victorian NAIDOC Pride Person of the Year. So they're often called on to speak at events. But earlier this month, one of those appearances, organized by a local council in Northern Melbourne, was cancelled.
2: They asked me to speak at a Idle Hobbit event, so the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Transphobia. I went, yep, not a problem. Here's my speaking rates. I didn't really hear back from them up until then. That was all like penciled in um, until a week or so ago um, where I received a message saying that they were really sorry. They couldn't go ahead with my booking. There was a lot of concerns from conservative council members and their supporters about the appropriateness of having me speak at their event, Mm. of which I was very baffled and hurt by, (laughs) but yet not really surprised. (laughs) There is a definite trend of having Trans performers um, and trans speakers be booked and then and then unbooked as it were, or have their booking lost as a result of backlash. The council also said that you know they'd had some um, had some issues with neo Nazis graffitiing buildings where they'd had queer events before, and that they were obviously very concerned about this.
1: Right, this has happened, you know, in the days, even weeks after a protest in Melbourne, an anti-trans protest where
2: neo-Nazis also attended. Yeah. Do you think this is linked? Oh, 100%. 100%. Every time there is a big protest of of anti-trans, even of anti-vax and like the anti-lockdown stuff we had in Melbourne, um, and then we get neo-Nazis turning up, it's a reoccurring pattern that we've all seen happen again and again and again. And I feel like there is a, a big rise of um anti-queer, if we just use queer as like an overarching term, I think there's a really large rise of anti-queer sentiment coming up um through a lot of different areas, especially overseas as well. The transgender community in the United States is reeling as Republican lawmakers and prominent conservative figures try to curtail their rights. We see... Uh, in America, all these anti-drag laws are happening. A record number of bills relating to health care, access to bathrooms, even drag performances have already been tabled this year in state legislatures. There's this real push from, you know, these extremist, you know, religious groups, push these ideas that, that queer people are, are pedophiles, are groomers, are predators. I think that gets picked up by various you know, extreme right-wing groups and they push this ideology and an attack. And I think it's very much a sense of other, you know, it's us versus them, it's us versus the other and it has far-reaching consequences. Mm.
1: You mentioned that other queer events have been cancelled in recent times. Mm-hmm. What have you heard? What type of events have been cancelled as well?
2: Um I, a huge amount of uh, drag workshops um specifically seems to be targeted, and they are workshops around you know how to sew, how to do makeup, you know characterisation, theatre, all things that uh, if they didn't have drag in front of it, would be perfectly normal things that you would probably learn in high school. But because we look at it from a drag perspective, there's this instant idea that anything to do with drag and cabaret must be sexualized, uh, which is just not true. And that really comes from an outdated idea that anything to do with the queer community, anything to do with, with, you know, homosexuality and, and gay, lesbian, bi, transgender is automatically sexual. And it's not. We all grew up watching play school on ABC. <laughs> you know, it's the exact same thing. It's just a slightly more sequined dress, <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably a lot less money. Let's be real. <laughs> mm. I, I've i seen so many, particularly young teenagers that are obviously exploring identities, exploring how they feel about themselves and about their friends and their world around them, you know, and they come into these spaces and, and often you can f- Visibly see the tension leaving their body because they feel seen. That perspective to have a chance to just be yourself is is life changing. I, I didn't have that growing up, and a lot of my queer friends didn't have that growing up. Have
1: you personally had a public appearance protested by neo Nazis
2: before now? Uh, last November, I was invited to speak at the Trans Pride March, which was wonderful. It was the first Trans Pride March they'd had since lockdown had happened. I had. Uh, received some online backlash from neo-Nazi groups. Uh, When I was announced as one of the speakers, um, I received some death threats um, and various other threats online. Um, There were some posts circulating online um, that had been caught about uh, groups such as NSN, the National Socialist Network um, and the Pride Boys turning up to the Trans Pride March. Unfortunately, a small few, like just a few members of NSN did show at the event. However, the community uh, engagement was so strong for the Trans Pride March that they really couldn't get anywhere near us as the speakers.
1: Yeah. Is that a particularly scary moment for you in terms of your, your public appearances?
2: I haven't received that level of hate before. Um, that really was the first time i'd i'd received that level of of visceral disgust and and again those sort of death threats and and threats of sexual assault and all sorts of things it was very shocking and very upsetting to receive that
1: So, Kitty, the local council that organised the event that you were booked to speak at, Hume Council, told Guardian Australia that your performance was cancelled prematurely. They say they've apologised to you and to the community and I know they've since asked you to speak again. But it does seem that other organisers feel that they have no choice but to cancel. Some say they've received online threats from neo-Nazis and there's worries they could turn up and harass families and kids who attend. Is cancelling an event in those circumstances the right move?
2: Look, I don't believe so. I personally believe that if, as a, if a council wishes to put on an event and they are receiving backlash and hate from far-right extremist groups, from neo-Nazis, that there needs to be a look at what the budget is for security measures. I understand safety, especially with children. I really do. But there are so many other options other than just cancelling. And I feel like a lot of councils don't want to look at those options, actually speak to the people you're booking rather than just rescinding the booking and be like, what can we do to ensure a safe event? What are the things we can do together? Part of being a council member is you represent your constituents, all of them. That includes the queer ones Mm. that need this more than anything else right now while this hate is happening.
1: You mentioned that there does seem to be an escalation in anti-queer rhetoric. How does it feel for you in this moment? What are the kind of conversations you're having with your, your friends and your community?
2: To be honest, most of the conversations I'm having with my community right now are about how do we keep each other safe? How do we make sure that we are getting to and from our jobs, our groceries, our lives in general, the gym, dance classes, whatever it is, coffee with a mate in a way that is safer, not inviting uh, any trouble. I find everybody in the queer community but particularly those that are trans um, and gender diverse are are really struggling um their mental health is is really taking a blow it's it's not just that we're having legal rights taken away or work taken away which is a very big deal you know again if we're full-time performers you lose bookings that's money you need to pay you know pay your bills um there's people debating your right to exist as a person and that causes so many issues uh so many so many feelings of doubt of pain of hurt it also causes issues with families you know the amount of friends i have that are queer that that have had huge fights with family members because they just don't understand they're like well what's the problem like why does it matter and it ma- it matters it matters because you have people saying that you don't you don't deserve to be seen as human you know, to have your humanity taken away is disgusting and I I don't even have words for how painful it is to hear that day after day. So Victoria has moved to ban the Nazi salute in the wake of this anti-trans
1: neo-Nazi rally earlier this month, mm. but are there other actions that governments could be exploring or should be exploring to protect the queer community?
2: Honestly, I, I think banning Nazi salutes is like the bare bare minimum, really, and I'm trying very hard not to swear. Um, <laughs> I think there needs to be a lot more government involvement in protecting trans and gender diverse and queer people. The fact that we have to fight so heavily to change our gender on our birth markers, to um, receive appropriate medical healthcare. Um, we need more appropriate healthcare for our queer and trans diverse people. We need laws that Don't allow discrimination against trans and gender diverse people and queer people in the workplace, in public, and we need to have harsher penalties when it comes to these hate groups. Yeah.
1: Next, Guardian Australia reporter Kate Kelly on whether Australia's laws are failing to protect queer people from hate. So Kate Kelly, you've been reporting on the impact that neo-Nazi and other conservative protests have had on the queer community lately. I spoke to one artist who's been targeted multiple times in the past year. What did you find? So I discovered
3: that at least two councils in Melbourne have cancelled Pride events or queer speakers in recent weeks, and that's due to security concerns. Police have also been called to a drag queen storytime event in Sydney recently amid threats over social media. And this absolutely isn't the first time it's happened, right? So last year's very family-friendly end-of-year Pride celebration called Glitter Nova was cancelled following threats from neo-Nazis. So over the last week I've spoken to dozens of members and leaders across Australia's trans community and they're just absolutely shattered, And when I spoke to LGBTQ advocacy groups, they said that the events of this month show that stronger legal protections are needed. What they're calling for is stronger anti-vilification laws that specifically cover LGBTQ people.
1: Right. So what protections are there in Australian law right now to protect LGBT plus people?
3: So it's really mixed across the country. Whilst every jurisdiction in Australia has various degrees of anti-discrimination legislation based on sexuality or gender in workplaces, schools and service settings, they're patchy and they have broad exemptions, especially for religious organisations. So, for example, in New South Wales, the anti-discrimination laws do not cover bisexual or non-binary people and, in general, the anti-discrimination laws... They're really specific to circumstances like your employment. So it wouldn't, for example, stop someone from protesting outside your house or sending you hate speech online. Mm. And because of these loopholes, some states have more proactive laws, right? The strongest protections are in states like Tasmania and the ACT. There are currently no laws in Victoria, South Australia or Western Australia protecting LGBTQ plus people from vilification. And I spoke to legal experts who work in advocacy organisations across the country, and they told me the patchiness of these laws across Australia was leaving the community vulnerable to
1: hate speech and discrimination. Right. It's kind of like some states have a weakish shield and other states have a sword at the moment for queer communities. Is that fair to say? That's absolutely it. I'm, some states don't even have a shield Let's take a closer look at the states with the least protection, such as Victoria. Kitty and other people that I've spoken to over the past week believe that the state government's move to ban the Nazi salute will do very little to protect their community. So would something like anti-vilification legislation do more?
3: Yeah, like everyone that I've spoken to this week has been in agreement that if Victoria had anti-vilification laws... Some of what was said at that rally that linked the queer community to groomers and the banner specifically that the Nazis held mm. would It would totally break the laws. Now, we should note that there are some moves to change the law in Victoria. The government agreed in 2021 to implement anti-vilification laws that cover the queer community, but has not set a date for when these will be introduced yet. So I went and asked them, and in a statement back, a Victorian government spokesperson said they were working on these laws as fast as they could. So, Representative for Transgender Victoria, Michelle McNamara, when I spoke to her, she said the government was not moving fast enough to protect
1: the queer community. So, Kate, let's move to the states that do have stronger protections. How are the anti-vilification laws working in places like Tasmania?
3: In Tasmania, they have explicit laws that make it illegal to incite hatred against someone based on their sexual orientation, their gender identity, or intersex status. And these laws carry penalties and provide avenues for victims to also seek redress. And we know that they've been used successfully in a number of cases. Rodney Croom, he's the spokesperson for Just Equal, he's been involved in a bunch of them. He's had successful cases against Timber Communities Tasmania and more recently he's helped out in a case against an anti-gay pamphlet that was distributed across
1: Hobart. Is the success of these laws only measured in legal cases and in arrests, though, Kate, or does it kind of go further than that? Well, yes, they're
3: about cases and yes, they're about tangible ramifications, but they're more actually about like aligning the goalposts for what's acceptable and what's not so then the community knows, okay, that's illegal, that's wrong, I'm not going to do it, you know. It sets the tone for what is acceptable to say
1: to someone else in our society because they're queer. Right, if someone's sending you a hateful message online because of your gender or sexuality, you can say, hey, you need to stop that, that's against the law if these laws exist, right?
3: You've got legal protection. Because it's not just about people bringing these cases, it's about the symbol of the law that says that's absolutely not okay in this country at this time anymore. This was really beautifully put to me, I think, by Rodney again when we spoke and I asked him why are these laws so important when we have anti-discrimination and all that kind of thing and he just said to me, well, Tasmania was once known around the world as Bigot's Island because of the high incidence of anti-queer hate but public vilification of LGBTQ plus people is now much lower and way less acceptable. So it's not just about complaints, right? The positive impact of Tasmania's strong anti-hate and anti-bullying laws has shown
1: it's about cultural change. Kate, do these neo-Nazi and anti-trans groups and their ideas about the queer community have broader support in this country?
3: Australia's becoming more inclusive right? We saw that with the marriage equality plebiscite and the country voting yes. We saw it in the wake of the protests and Daniel Andrews putting up the trans pride flag outside parliament and making this really strong commitment in support of the community that said that bigotry, that's not allowed in this state. We know what happens in history is that when minority groups become more included in mainstream society, you have this pushback from smaller, very vocal groups who say no actually we don't want you to take up that space and we're going to try and use you as a wedge on broader issues to divide the community and what Australia increasingly is saying is no you can't do this here no that's not okay you're not going to be out touch this community now.
1: That was Kate Kelly, a reporter at Guardian Australia. You can read her feature on this issue titled What's Behind the Terrifying Backlash Against Australia's Queer Community? And her piece on the anti-vilification laws as well at theguardian.com. We've linked to those on the full story page. This episode was produced by Camilla Hannan and Laura Bridley-Newton. Sound designed by Camilla Hannan and Teagan Nichols. The executive producers were Miles Matignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.